RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Seven o'clock on a Tuesday night. Why don't we do a show? It's Mission Log Live. I'm John Champion. And I'm Ken Ray. Yes, this is Mission Log Live. When your Star Trek pals get together and talk Trek and other stuff. And we do it all with you, provided you call in. There are a few ways to do that. You can click on the link in your Zoom meeting, or you can use the one tap from your smartphone. You can also call us, as did your father and his father and his father before him, and do us a favor, please tell them to knock it off. 669-900-6833 is the phone number. 669-900-6833. Then you enter the meeting code that you'll find in the show description and the comments, and then you are on, and not the air, but the internet. Joining us this week, one of the coolest nerds we know, uh, comedian, writer, producer, Dana Gould is here. He is a TOS Trekkie. We'll talk to him about all kinds of stuff from uh, Star Trek to Planet of the Apes to his series, Stand Against Evil, which just wrapped production on season three. Really excited to have him here. So please get your questions in now. Join our Zoom meeting. Use the one tap from your smartphone or call 669-900-6833. Hey, here's what I like to do about this time. I'd like to say hello to the people who are watching live and chiming in. There's John McQuillan. There's Carlos. There's Heidi, Lisa, Dave Takechi, Holly. Uh, a lot of new people, a lot of uh, returning listeners. Hey, there's Chuck. We just talked to Chuck last night. Big things coming up there. And uh, shout out to Keith Parker, who says the Vulcan has no pants. John, thanks for the shout out a couple of weeks ago. The reason I mentioned the Vulcan statue in your hometown is because I myself, a graduate of Birmingham Southern College, where in the finest liberal arts tradition, my friends and I actually discuss Star Trek in philosophy class. So that is awesome. Thank you, Keith. And thank you to everybody who is saying hello. And uh, I hope that you all chime in as we get the show going. So Thanks to everybody who is watching live on Facebook or YouTube. And thank you to the people who are watching the video later as well. And finally, thanks to the people who are listening to the audio-only version of the show. You can search for Mission Log Live wherever you get your podcast, or make it even easier. Go to podcast.roddenberry.com, where you will find links to all of our shows. There's Mission Log. There's Mission Log Live. There's the Trek Files, Women at Warp, and Priority One. And one Last little request, wherever and whenever you're watching or hearing this show, head to the source, hit like, hit share, write a review, or heck, give us five stars. Share the love is what I'm saying, because in the end, the love you take is equal to the love you make. Just made that up, Ken. Just yeah, I know. Like, yeah, it, it's mm-hmm. very similar to the one from last week, but exactly like the one from last week. Precisely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of last week, we did business last week. We're going to do it again now. We got uh, we got something coming up this weekend. Holy cow, it's this weekend. Uh, so uh, San Diego Comic-Con is this weekend, and John Champion and I are going to be there. John's been there before. I never have. And I always said, if I ever get to go to Comic-Con, I kind of want to go in some sort of capacity where, you know, basically I'm not standing in line. I want to be there for like a panel or something like that. And, and lo and behold, there are two panels that John and I are going to be part of. Uh, the Roddenberry panel at the uh, convention center room 24 ABC is on Thursday, the 19th. That is day after tomorrow, which is kind of freaking me out all of a sudden. That's going to be at 1.30 p.m. So again, uh, uh, convention center room 24 ABC, Thursday, the 19th at 1.30 John and I are going to be on the panel for just a couple of minutes, really, talking about the Roddenberry Podcast Network and some other stuff that's going on. And then, um, and then of course, uh, they're doing a bunch of other stuff, letting you know all the other things happening with Roddenberry Entertainment. So that is Thursday. Then Friday, we're going to be part of Larry Nemechek's panel, Star Trek, A Fandom Divided. This is at the Neil Morgan Auditorium at the San Diego Central Library, 5 p.m. It is a short 10-minute walk from the convention center, and if San Diego is anything like San Diego, 10-minute walk in San Diego is like, it's like awesome. There are people in other parts of the country who wish they could have a 10-minute walk that nice. So seriously, come on down. A 10-minute walk in San Diego is like 45 minutes. So it's great. <laughs> yeah. 
It's fantastic. I'm, I'm not sure that's really a good thing, but no, okay. Sure. Right. I don't know. I don't know. And then the last thing, of course, I want to remind you about is all the stuff we're doing with Sansar. We'll probably talk, uh, well, do you want to go ahead and talk about that now, John? Are we, are we naming names or are we just still teasing? I think we're still teasing. Okay. Well, well then there's a thing coming up. And it's going to be really exciting. We're talking about it at, uh, at Comic-Con. We'll be talking more about it at SDLV. Uh, Sensar is the name of the virtual reality platform. And we've done trivia night there. We've done uh, a meet and greet there. And there's something much bigger coming there from Roddenberry. So, you know, lock it in and rip the knob off, as they used to say when people listen to radio. Yeah. And, oh, by the way, before we move on to the poll, really quickly here, George says, you rock, Ken and John. And then Paul Wright says, hi, Ken and Ray. Paul, you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> so, Checks in the mail, Paul. Checks in the mail. All right. Let's talk about the poll. So every week, uh, well, most every week, sometimes when we feel like it, we post a poll question. Last week when our guest was Dr. Kyle Johnson, we asked you, who's your philosopher, Kirk or Picard? wisely 17 percent of you said kirk 83 percent of you said picard i i think that makes perfect sense uh this week uh in honor of our special guest we have uh, a question about comedy who's funnier data or wharf now right now data is at 48 percent wharf is at 52 percent ken feelings about that uh about how that breakdown is about who you think is funnier well, I mean, do we want to say, I'll tell you, honestly, to me, Warp's funnier because he wasn't trying. I mean, Data was yeah. always, you know, generally speaking, when Data was being funny, he was trying to be funny and it, you know, tended to fall a little bit flat. Whereas Warp, they gave him some really good lines towards season six. And then they, you know, <laughs> gave him a girlfriend in season seven and it didn't, it wasn't nearly as funny. At that and they took, then they took it all away. Yeah. Yeah. So please do uh, do chime in on the poll. That'll be up. Golly, that'll be up until next week's show. So you got plenty of time to say who's funnier. Data or Worf. What can we say about tonight's guest? He started stand up at the tender age of 17. Since then, it's been movies and stand up and TV and stand up. His albums include Fun House, I Know It's Wrong, and Mr. Funny Man. He's written and produced for The Simpsons or The Simpsons, if you like that show. His latest big venture is Stand Against Evil, which just wrapped shooting season three. A great entertainer, a great humanitarian, and my dearest friend for. 78 years. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Dana Gould. Hello, John. Hello, Ken. Hello, everybody. Hey, pleasure to have you. Um, look, uh, I'm a little worried about the conversation tonight because I look at the clock and we only have 53 minutes left. <laughs> and uh, That's two digressions. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We, we, we've we've three of us have done this before where we got together to talk and it turned into sort of an epic, just a marathon of pop culture references. But but most importantly, it started out Star Trek, uh, that, that that was the common bond. Uh, but, but let's just look at the other things that we all geek out on. There's Trek, there's Planet of the Apes, there's Ed Wood. Oh, we can seriously talk some Ed Wood if we wanted to. Vincent Price, Classic Horror, all these things that you're into and yes. that, that I'm into and that Ken's into, they're all kind of bookended, you know, 1950s to late 70s, maybe. Uh, are you fixated on a certain era or a certain style or um, what is it? What is it? Yeah. Is it an arrested development uh, yes to all those. I, I, I think the and uh, to what you said about the, the era and the style, I think it goes to um, what was your favorite cast of Saturday Night Live? Who was your favorite James Bond? It's whoever was the one that was prevalent when you were 14. And, uh, you know, I grew up in the 70s and it was syndicated Star Trek. Uh, it was the universal classic um, horror movies on uh, syndic in syndication. It was, um, you know, uh, the original, uh, you know, Star Wars. It was all of those things. Famous Monsters magazine. Uh, all of those things were sort of frozen in amber, and and it was covered from those periods like '30s, '40s horror, Hammer, S Star Trek, Star Wars, all of those things. Ed Wood, I don't think I'd, I got into Ed Wood until you're in college and you realize when you when you get to, when you get to 
put some irony on the cake you know <laughs> when you get to frost it with irony like this is horrible and fantastic okay but but here's the thing I, it, one of my favorite lines in the the documentary about plan nine i remember the one that came on the dvd yeah, flying saucers over hollywood Exactly. And the, the host of that asks uh, John Waters. He, he's in that, of course, because John Waters is in it. And John Waters says something like, Plan 9 is not the worst movie ever made. There's no way it's the worst movie ever made. Sophie's Choice is the worst movie ever made. And here's the thing, though. I, I, there's something about Plan 9 and about Ed Wood's work and, and talking to you and other people who get it. I feel like, yeah, you can very simply look at it as so bad it's good. But there's something really great about the earnestness no, it, of it, those it, movies. It's the earnestness, and it's also consistently entertaining and in different ways. Uh, I do a, we do a live reading of it every October. Uh, me, mm-hmm. Janet Varney, Bob Goldthwaite, Paul F. Tompkins, all my comedian friends uh, who love it. And we do a live reading of Plan 9. Patton Oswalt uh, every October at Largo and I wrote different stage directions for it. So it, it, but, and we tried to do it with other movies. No other movie is as consistently funny all the way through than plan nine is. And, and we try, we should, let's do another movie. And it is a diamond in the rough. And just when you think it's out of gas, Eros comes in. <laughs> it's, there's there's a surprise at every turn, and it was, it, yeah, it's just a, a beautiful, uh, beautiful terrible cake. <laughs> to continue my <laughs> bakery analogy, it, it's just a it's a it's a crudité of ineptitude that that never gets tiring, and it looks beautiful. Yeah, you know, for yeah. what it is, um, I was my my my. My weird story about that that I know you guys know is um, uh, I b- ended up being very close friends with Myla Nurmi, who was in Plan 9. She was Vampira. And uh, and she said, she goes, I never looked better than in that movie. Oh. I, I guess the DP really do, knew his stuff. And she did. She looked great. Yeah, um, yeah I love that movie. And that's one of those movies that I can put, I believe... Uh, it's it's like Wrath of Khan. If it's on, you can just sit on the end of the coffee table and watch the whole thing. Well, let's talk a little bit about Trent because I mean, you're, I mean, there there are so many things that are. I, I, okay, I'll, I'll get to a sentence eventually. It'll be fun when I do. <laughs> um, so it almost sounds like you're saying, well, because it was on you know TV thirty eight or because it was on one of I'm assuming the five channels that you would have had when you were growing up. That's I mean that's one of the reasons that Star Trek survives for you. But I mean there are plenty of other things that were on TV at the same time, and yet we know you because you're a Star Trek fan. You right. actually were kind enough to write in, you know, and say that you were listening to Mission Log, which blew my mind for quite a while. <laughs> oh, I mean, hey, wait, can, can I very quickly just interrupt? And because I, I love to tell this story that um, I, I saw that message come into Facebook from Dana Gould, like, hey, we really enjoy your show. And I ignored that because um, I thought I assumed <laughs> you had people. Uh, you probably still have people. And I assumed it was people who who just didn't know what they were doing, had no idea who they were contacting. And then, Ken, you got in touch with me like three days later. Did you see that Dana Gould contacted us? And I was like, it, it had to have been people. It's got to be a clerical error somehow. <laughs> And, and you yeah. were like, no, no. And you wrote back and then, uh, and then the rest is history. So, oh, oh well, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. You're, I, I think yeah well, that just, that just makes me all embarrassed again. So there we go. Um, <laughs> all right. So, okay. okay. It has to be uh, more successful and more successful than you think. <laughs> like I'm always worried that anybody knows who I am. Um, oh, that was no. Uh, well, whatever. Well, yeah. Yeah. well, as I've said, off I, and it'll be fine. Then, you know, yeah. you've been I've been my quoted, I've my years. I know. Well, I've quoted my friend Andy Kindler a lot. Where my, uh, in all the things that I've done, my target audience is men my age who are me. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I don't like in the new in the new series in the new uh, season of Stand Against Evil. We have a. I went really, really, really out of my way to have a. Uh, Kolshak the Night Stalker shout out 
Nice. No. No one but the three of us cares about. <laughs> oh, that is beautiful. That is but, so beautiful. Yeah. And all right. Uh, and, and so you'll, and you'll appreciate it when you see it. And and I said to people, I said like, look, not everybody's going to get this, but the people who get it are going to love us for it. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I said. But you, but you were talking about like how I, I, yes, I did get into Star Trek. It's very strange, and I, I don't want to belabor the point. I grew up in a big Irish Catholic family. Um, I have four older brothers and a younger sister, and everybody in my family was very not like I was. I was, I was a white sheep of the family. They're athletes and hunters and fishermen and 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 big drinkers. They're big, you know. It's Massachusetts, but you get outside of Boston, and it's a red state. And, and they're they're red staters. And, uh, you know, I grew up in a house with a, a gun cabinet and deer heads on the wall and, and that whole trip. And I was the only one in my family that really wasn't into that stuff at all. And, it, you know, this is also in the 70s. Um, my my an example, like my father could not understand that I didn't I wasn't really into sports. I wasn't really into hunting, but was straight. And like he couldn't make those, he couldn't square that circle, and uh, and so uh, so it's nice to know that that in some ways in my heterosexuality I'm a disappointment. Um, but, uh, but I was really into you know creature feature on Channel Fifty Six and Star Trek, and um, my cousin Chris, uh, my cousin Chris really uh, was a big Trekkie, and uh, and and he was like the only person and he was a couple of years older than me and he really liked it so i thought oh it's okay then to like it he's older and he likes it so it's this cool sort of secret handshake for people uh and it was on every night at six o'clock on channel 56 and the other thing is when you grow up in a very chaotic environment you really come to depend on things that are stable and Star Trek was on every night at six. Mm. You know, I knew at six o'clock Star Trek was on and it was. And uh, so, it, yeah, it was it played a big, uh, important, important role in my uh, in my adolescence. Just always having it there. One of the things that we, I mean, we have conversations with people you know, on this show and then other times about you know, sort of the philosophies behind Star Trek, messages, morals, meanings, that whole thing. What's always interesting to, to, to me is when we, you know, ask people how important is that stuff to you? And they're like, eh, they like the ships. They like the aliens. They like, they like, they like Kirk. Um, did that stuff sort of penetrate for you? Or was it, I mean, when you talk about things like Plan 9, when you talk about things like, well, like creature feature and stuff like that. I mean, that's that's a lot of effects heavy stuff that really would have hit a teenage kid in the seventies. Is it? I mean, did, no, it, it it did, but in in a very subliminal way. Like all of the things that that I was into um, going into te- my you know teenage years, you know, Star Trek, Twilight Zone, um, uh, a lot of those horror movies, a, a lot of those fifties horror movies. There was a a um a bedrock mid-century liberal perspective uh a, a mid-century not not a modern but a very humanistic uh um open-minded accepting uh treating uh people with dignity and respect uh and that was a given in 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 a lot of those shows so you so yeah, I grew up watching those things, and that was just the the sort of this the the to use a fifty cent phrase that was the lingua franca of 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 all of that stuff. Um, it wasn't about uh, jerks, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, mm-hmm. And 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 when and, <laughs> and when Kirk was being a jerk, he was a misguided but well-meaning jerk. But uh, <laughs> and even um, like Dark Shadows, which I was a, a little too young to appreciate it, but my older brothers were really uh, watched it. Um, you know, Barnabas was a sympathetic figure. He was, he was forlorn. Like I didn't, I never got into a sort of jerky macho nonsense. Uh, it was all, there was always uh, uh, everybody was for the underdog. And I think that's why kids love as a little kid, you like the wolf man and the creature from the black lagoon because they're they're misunderstood just like you're misunderstood 
And I think there's a big subliminal uh, thing that runs through that for a guy who grew up, you know, in, in a family where everybody was different than I was. Everybody was bigger and very physical and athletic and always drunk and very, and then to be a small kid with a lot of, with Starlog magazine, you know, it's not a surprise that I got really into Planet of the Apes, that there's something about a guy trapped in a world that he knows is wrong, but nobody else understands it. It's not surprising (laughs) that that rang my bell in a strange way. It's also, as I said, Moses dressed like Tarzan chasing King Kong dressed like Fonzie. <laughs> wow. You think that was the pitch? Actually, no, it wouldn't have been because there was no Fonzie yet, was there? That was the pitch. <laughs> and I'm out. <laughs> no, but we still got, yeah. I want to remind people, if you want to get your questions in today, uh, uh, join our Zoom meeting. Uh, hit the one tap from your smartphone or call the phone number 669-900-6833. 669-900-6833. There's one other question I want to ask you before we move on to um, something else. Uh, we, we, we've been getting caught on like, yeah, this is the stuff that came in the 50s, 60s, 70s. I'm curious, is there science fiction today that you see, whether it's a TV series or you know, movies today? Like, what do you see in sci-fi today that turns you on? Or are you the guy who says, ah, give me the, give me the bright colors in the 48 minutes and I'm done? I, I love the bright colors in the 48 minutes, but there's, yeah, there's, I love to stay relevant. Um, I, I loved, uh, you know, the new Battlestar Galactica I thought was phenomenal. I know that's probably coming up on 10 years, maybe. From, uh, 2004 um, that started. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. More so, more so. Yeah. Man. Um, I thought that was amazing. I, uh, I loved, um, had you not thrown it at me, I would have known it. Yeah, well, I love the new uh, Planet of the Apes movies. I thought they were they were terrific and well made. I uh, I love the Incredibles. I thought that that's a great uh, 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 fun. Yeah, no, I like a lot of. Uh, I I don't know if there's what would be uh, uh, like a new science fiction thing. I'm trying to think of a new. F- like well, I'm not trying Star- to the new Star Wars movies. I'm like uh, my feeling on them is. Yep. There it is. <laughs> right. Well, we'll take like a, like a Westworld or something like that. That's really, you know, uh, very I'll, thoughtful, very sci-fi heavy, high concept. You know. I'll tell you, a, I'll tell you a funny story about Westworld guys. Go ahead. Um, my, uh, my ex-wife, uh, who's a wonderful person, um, was the head of HBO when they started developing Westworld. Uh, and I, I like to tell people this story, and it, it, it's uh, uh, her name is Sue Nagel. And when she first got the job at uh, HBO, there was a pilot that they had made, and they weren't sure about it, and I think they were going to pass on it. And she said, take a look at this, because I think there's something to it. And uh, I looked at it, and I said, no, I like it. And she said, I think we should recast that role and this role, and I think we need to reshoot some stuff. But I think this is a good pilot. And uh, and I'm going to go to them and tell them that they should uh, not make this other pilot they want to make, and they should use that money to fix this pilot. And, uh, and I said, yeah, I like it. Go for it. And because uh, my ex-wife made that her first big move, uh, they they decided to reshoot a show called Game of Thrones, and wow. uh, that's how that ended up on television. All uh, right, you saved TV. No, yeah. I had nothing to do with it, but I was in the room when it was saved. My ex-wife saved it, and when she started to tell me about Westworld, I said, "Well, I I think they made that show. It's called Battlestar Galactica." And, uh, and then she went, "Well, I think they have a. I think they're going to. They have a different way they're going to take it." But I was like, "Yeah, sentient robots. Yeah, they they did that." <laughs> we uh, we have a question. I know the point of that whole story is it shows you what I know. <laughs> well, we do have a question here from uh, Zoom user Scott. He says, "I'm wondering with the reemergence of anthology shows like Stand Against Evil, Bobcat's new show, and the Jordan Peele thing coming to HBO, do you think we're going to see more down the pike, or do you think there's a chance for an anthology type Trek show?" I think an anthology type Trek show is a fantastic idea. Um, I, I wish they would do uh, anthology Star Wars movies. <laughs> that would be great. Um, 
I, I, and I really, uh, I'm glad you mentioned Bobcat Goldthwait's Misfits and Monsters, which is really uh, terrific. Stan Against Evil is actually not a, an anthology. It's just a, it's a, it's a comedy to sitcom hiding in a horror movie. Um, but uh, I know George, um, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry. <clears throat> the, uh, the Jordan show on HBO and Bobcat show are, are wonderful. The door is open now. It's hard to underestimate how much Netflix has put a wrecking ball through the television landscape and how because of that, agencies are now production arms, management companies are now production arms. The whole goal of show business has become owning content. And they are starved for content and content providers are... um, fortunately still in in demand because of it and because of the way people's viewing habits have changed uh i think there's a better chance for anthologies to survive i think black mirror uh uh, proved that they could still work and um uh and i i love bobs a lot i try to like black mirror but Wow. Sometimes. <laughs> we actually, yeah. uh, we had a couple of people and I wasn't trying to lead you towards this, but I was wondering if it was one that you might hit on. A couple of people mentioned the Orville in the chat room as well. Did you get a chance to check? I've not seen the Orville, but I love Seth. So I hope it's. Right, well, you're, you're with, you're with John champion then because he hasn't watched the Orville either. Yeah. yeah we're going to form a club. Yeah. yeah no, <laughs> right. It'll be do, you like, do you like it? I'm a huge fan. Yeah, great, I'm a, like yeah. yeah. It's no, I love um, Seth. Seth's a great. I can, I can, uh, you know, this is unlike a lot of people. I I haven't seen the show, but I know the guy, and uh, <laughs> and he's terrific, and he is as big a Star Trek fan as as they as they come. Absolutely. Yeah. I w- I would like to see a reboot of Quark. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, uh, sign Richard Benjamin up, and uh-huh. um, and let's uh, let's cast the twins. Yeah, I, I, think I, can, a I can get you the twins. You could, okay, all right. I can get you the, my uh, oddly uh, my my girlfriend, which is a ridiculous thing for a grown man to say, but it's one of the punishments of getting divorced is that you get a girlfriend, even though she's a woman. <laughs> But woman friend sounds like somebody grandpa has to bring to dinner with him in case the machine breaks. Uh, but my, my, my girlfriend is an identical twin. And in uh, season three of Stand Against Evil, she and her sister play the Mothra twins in one episode. Oh, nice. Oh, that's really good. And what they did, they're so brilliant. They learned their dialogue wrong. So... <laughs> When we loop it, it won't match. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> All right. Hey, uh, you, you started to geek out for a moment. I, I don't know. Ken, maybe we should do a little business here and then we'll come back. Yeah, let's do, let's do the thing we have to do first. And then we want to okay. come back and actually, because you just, you just uh, teased Stand Against Evil a little bit. We had a couple of questions about that. Plus... Uh, we have to get to the apes and all that. And we do want to remind people again, though, um, if you have a question, if you have a comment, of course, people are chiming in in the chat room, and that's uh, fantastic. But if you'd like to, uh, you'd like to phone in your question, uh, kind of like <clears throat> there's a Zoom meeting, there is the one tap from your smartphone where you can call 669-900-6833, would you like to start us off on the, on the shilling, Mr. Champion? Yeah, Dana, sit tight. I promise we'll be back uh, because now is the time that we have to remind everybody about the shop conveniently located for you at missionlogpodcast.com. What you do is you go there on the internet, missionlogpodcast.com, and you click shop. That's how clever we are about labeling the shop. So Carl Huber, our designer extraordinaire, he is just cranking out so many great designs for you. And we, we, we take those designs and we put them on products in are shot up uh, uh, products like what Ken? Oh well, golly, there's the isolinear John and Ken. That's us on a chip. Well, actually, two chips because you know 
<laughs> we're prima donnas. Uh, carbon chauvinism with a Da Vinci twist is there. And of course, you can also show your love for the silicon side of life with the silicon supporter shirt. Uh, your favorite lieutenant and mine, Jay, is featured. Uh, bonk, bonk on the head since 1966. Uh, we celebrate the oh, so close to triumph of Nova Squadron. And, of course, show your love for Ditalix Mining Corporation as well. And you got the old favorites like Ethos, Pathos, and Logos, Cool as Kirk. Uh, just just all kinds of stuff to check out. Yeah, and we, we get to add stuff all the time. So we, we had the triumphant return of Here's a Look at My Robot Guts. Uh, we had the new Silicon Supporter. And pretty much, you know, something gets sat on a show. And then somebody says, hey, you need to make a T-shirt. Ken, the latest one that I saw, somebody said from our latest DS9 episode, uh, the clock is not a flute. Um, yes. that needs to be a t-shirt. So maybe, maybe that'll, uh, that'll make an appearance one day. Who knows? Well, it could be a t-shirt, but it could also be a sticker. It could be a mug. It could be a tapestry, Mr. Champion. Ooh, yeah, you're all excited. Yeah. Tons of stuff to check out and make your own. Some truly unique Trekish stuff. You can get yours today. Uh, just hitting the shop icon at missionlogpodcast.com. Our guest By tonight. The way- yeah, go ahead. By the way, Homer says, I'm sporting the tech, the tech tonight. And then uh, Carlos says, uh, are there wall hangings of some type available? <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, yes, there are, Carlos. Thank you for right. asking. Well, right, I think you can, well, you can hang a tapestry or you could hang a, or you could hang a T-shirt on your wall if you wanted to. Or you cover it with stickers like, you know, you're back in high school. Why not? Right, right. All right. So as you were saying, folks can call in at 669-900-6833, or they could do like John did and click on that link for Zoom, because we have John ready with a question. How are you tonight, John? I'm awesome. And I uh, just want you to take a look at my... Oh, I'm, I'm looking straight at your robot guts. That's you know, I, awesome. <laughs> I remember actually when I, when I was watching that show as a kid, how awesome it would be to actually open your belly to show us. <laughs> <laughs> and you've got it. That is yeah. fantastic. I mean, and I like yeah. the theming. I like the theming in the room. You have the communicator <laughs> on the wall. That is really good. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I've got my uh, Mego Klingon, which is one of my prize. Oh, it's, it's like I'm looking at myself in a mirror. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, thank you for calling us tonight. You have a, a question or a comment here for Dana or uh, right, right. Us. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, like all of you guys, I'm, I'm of your similar age and uh, certainly grew up watching all the shows that you guys have been mentioning. You know, and I can't believe you, uh, you mentioned Quark. I totally <laughs> about that show and just... The, the wackiness of that, of a garbage, uh, garbage truck in space was just amazing. Well, um, to be fair, John, I'm only 26. I just read a lot. About <laughs> it. Okay, so, uh, right. So, but I also wanted to go back a little bit further. Do you think, uh, you mentioned how Netflix is like kind of killing traditional TV. Do you think uh, because of Netflix and HBO that we're kind of seeing almost the death of anthology now that uh, almost every show has to have a continuing plot line that we can't really have kind of a mix that uh, Deep Space Nine, for example, had where they did have a a longer plot, but they also were sort of traditionally anthology. Do you think that's kind of where we're heading? Well, it depends on your definition of, uh, of anthology to that regard, but no, the point that I was, uh, trying to make was what Netflix has done has put a wrecking ball through what people's viewing habits have been. Right. Um, As I said, uh, my, my uh, ex-wife was a a big TV exec. And before that she was a big agent and I've been in around the business for a long time. And I remember, you know, uh, 10, 15 years ago, the guys that ran the, TV department of the big agencies would point to your computer and go, in 10 years, it's all going to be coming out of that. (laughs) And what they were wrong about was, no, it's still going to come out of your television, but your television is going to have that machine's brain. Yeah. And now people view things on demand and in order. Uh, My daughter, when she watches a show, it's not like I watched you know, I watch the Night Stalker every Friday night at 10. My daughter will go, I'm going to watch Grey's Anatomy. And she will start at the beginning of Grey's Anatomy 
And that will be all she watches until she goes through all eight seasons. Uh, and, 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 and that's how they do it. I think whatever the show is, if it's an, a, a pure anthology like Black Mirror or, or something with a continuing plot line, which is very true, is more conducive to binge viewing. Uh, I, I think right now it's a it's the it's uh, the wide it's the wild wild west. Uh, the 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 people you don't want to be is uh, CBS, ABC, NBC, traditional ad supported broadcast television. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's uh, like a seventy eight record. <laughs> right. I, I think it, I think it's great to be able to binge watch, but I also wonder if there's like the less of a rewatchability factor because you can't just jump back in and watch a specific episode like you can like with some of these cl- classic episodes. I agree completely and I and I love to and I go through that on 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 Stand Against Evil where it each season has an arc Things happen, but they're individual shows. Yeah, uh, and you can drop in and watch an episode. Uh, I, I try to make it like that. Um, the 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 way I have designed Stand Against Evil is to blatantly, blindly rip off uh, the X Files in the sense that there's an overarching theme to the season, but the episodes are individual. And we have different styles of episodes. We'll have a heavy mythology show, a ridiculous cartoon. <laughs> you know, and I, I like to think that we can do different things. But I, I, I take your point. Um, uh, uh, people do like to binge watch, and that lends itself to a continuing story. I, I think, you know, John, there's been a really interesting uh, uh, sort of mix of all of the above. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you, you have shows that uh, were on cable, like it, Mad Men was just one that really stuck out to me as it, this is an ongoing storyline. And, and for all seven seasons of that show, you want to be with it from beginning to end mm-hmm. to see the entirety of this character arc. Um, and then I think you, you have shows where uh, uh, the 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 delivery method has changed the way you watch the show to your point, take something like stranger things, right? Netflix releases the entire season on a day and maybe you get through it in a few days or a couple of weeks. And then you don't hear about it anymore because everybody watched it and they enjoyed it for that really short period of time. We can say what we will about star Trek discovery, but I think it was really uh, smart as CBS mm-hmm. to put that on a streaming service, but make us wait week to week and then take a little bit of a break after that even take a a mid season break and then come back. So it just keeps the shows out there. And it also gives you a little time to digest it uh, before just binging the whole thing. Now my take on it might change a little bit when we rewatch it, Mm -hmm. preparing for season two, because I will binge probably in a few days and and see how it, how it affects me then. But there, there was an anticipation about what was to come next uh, when we were yeah. waiting for those episodes to come out new. And that, well, was yeah. a very, that was a very brave move for CBS because they have the least likely viewership to go to a digital platform. You yeah. Know, the CBS yeah. has the, the oldest. <laughs> the oldest. oldest, oldest yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm nearing it myself. I'm not, I'm not ragging them at all. But it was a, it was a brave move for them to kind of like, no, you're going to come over here. And that's why they use the classic title to do it. They're not, yeah. they're not dumb. Well, there well, is something it, a lot to be said about that uh, delayed gratification, too. I mean, I remember just waiting on my edge for, you know, especially when there was a long break in between episodes, you know, like a, the winter break or whatever. You know, I mean, you're just like standing on the edge waiting for the next episode. I remember last summer being so excited about Sunday, ni- Sunday night because... Mm-hmm. I could watch Twin Peaks again. And then, right, uh, right. Well, the joke's on me. John, <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, man. This time, thank Lucy's going to keep that football there, and I'm going <laughs> to kick it. <laughs> All right. Take it easy, John. Live long and prosper. All right. You too. Thanks.
I gotta say, I mean, there's, do you think, do you think we've actually figured out how it's going to be done or is everybody finding their own way to do it? Do you know what I mean? Cause like, cause like everybody in the conversation we just had, everybody's like, Oh, I like, you know, the, the holding on and making us wait. And that keeps the show out there a bit longer. By the time we got to the last half of what should have been the second half of the last season of, of Mad Men, I didn't care anymore. And it still felt like they were just like trying to, you know, hurry it up, hurry it up. And I know the reason they did it was so they could go for another year of Emmys because yeah. it had already been shot in that particular instance. And it sort of felt like, personally, I felt duped on that one in a way. I mean, is it, we don't seem to have decided how we're going to do it yet. Like stand against evil, correct me if I'm wrong. You don't do like half and then go away for a few months and then come back and do the second half. I mean, you're, you know, but we did, finish, right? we did. Yeah. We, I mean, IFC is a very strange, um, uh, has a unique model and that we do, um, eight episodes a year. We just have eight episode seasons and we, uh, shoot them, in a in a in a in a in a one in a block we shoot them like a movie we do all the kitchen scenes all the exterior you know it's it's called uh, cross boarding but they discovered in the first season uh ifc is owned by amc american movie classics and they showed uh, somebody high up at amc looked at uh, you know we would finish two episodes and we'd send it in and uh, and then the guy said you know i kind of like watching them twice in a row and so we show two episodes a week for the month of October or the month of November. And that's it. That's what we do. Uh, and then we uh, come back for the next season. Uh, it's a, it's a, but for ratings this year, we're premiering on Halloween. And I said, sort of in, in the way that I'm really respectful of people who are in advertising. I said, great. If there's one night in the year, people who love horror movies are sitting at home with nothing to do. It's Halloween. This is genius. And, uh, and they laughed and they said, no, it, what matters is what we call the plus three, which is nobody's watching it when it's on. Everybody watches it within three days of it coming on. So we get our overnight ratings, but really three days later, that's when you really get a sampling of who's watching it. It's called the, almost, the overnights and the, and the plus threes. These are things that I have to know about that I wish I didn't. Yeah, well, I almost feel like the, uh, I almost feel like Stand Against Evil is the fifth business here, or, you know, we should tell people what it is. I mean, we know it's a show that you're working on. We know it's a show yeah. that you just wrapped season three. Yeah. There's been some mention of the fact that it's horror slash comedy slash yeah. comedy slash horror. Uh, give people an idea of what it is. I will describe it very, uh, very briefly. Um, I, uh, as I said, I grew up in this, you know, I've often described my dad as, Archie Bunker without the elegance and sophistication. And <laughs> I just had this, I always wanted to do a genre show. I wanted to do a horror show, um, but I can't do it and not make it funny. It's just, I don't have that discipline. Uh, and it took me a long time to finally come up with this basic idea of what if my dad was Buffy the Vampire Slayer? What if a, an old curmudgeonly guy had to fight monsters? And it's not that he didn't believe in him. He just didn't care. Uh, he just wanted to go home and watch the baseball game. And uh, so I worked on it and I came up with this idea. And it stars uh, John C. McGinley from Scrubs and uh, Janet Varney from You Are the Worst is the sheriff in town. And it's, uh, it's a half-hour uh, sitcom uh, that's hidden inside a horror movie. And uh, and uh, it uh, they fight demons and it's you know it's funny X Files it's it's uh, it's funny Buffy the Vampire Slayer it's sort of it's not a period piece but it sort of takes place in like a 1970s drive-in horror movie kind of world it, it's it takes place in a little New England town um, they have cell phones but they also have rotary telephones <laughs> you know they drive old 80s cars it, it, it takes place in sort of a uh, it it, it it's it sort of feels like an old drive-in horror movie or an old 1970s TV movie like When Michael Calls or Let's Scare Jessica to Death. It has that sort of 70s feel to it. It's very funny. Uh, very, I'm very proud of it. 
Very important clarification here. Carlos in the chat says uh, it has John C. McGinley not to be confused with Ted McGinley, who would signal the end of the show. So, <laughs> yes, you are absolutely true. correct, Carlos. Good, good clarification. Good clarification. Yeah. 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 That's true. But it's yeah. And, and you know, we have. Uh, you know, a ton of references this season. We have a, a Godzilla episode where the that features the Mothra twins. We have an X Files salute. We have a Kolshak the Night Stalker salute. We have a, a lot of uh, it, it. It's a show for fans. It, it, it's it's definitely a show for fans. Let's get to another if we could get to another one of your passions because this one to me. It's not one that I study, but it's one, it's like you said earlier about if Wrath of Khan is on, you'll just sit there and watch it. Back in the yeah. day, if there was a Planet of the Apes movie on, that was it for me. That was it yep. for me for the day. I remember when Channel 17 in Nashville showed all five Planet of the Apes movies, five or six, five, six, five. Yeah. when they showed all five of the Planet of the Apes movies. And that, that was what I did that weekend. That was, that was all I did that weekend. A steady um, and declining budgets. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. Towards the end, was like, and then now we're yeah. shooting at Century City Mall. Look yeah. at this exotic location. Yeah. yeah. Well, then G- uh, WGN out of Chicago um, showed the the which I didn't realize there had been TV movies or something. I was all excited. Like these are kind of the movies I've never seen. Yeah, they did the series. Yeah, nineteen fall of nineteen seventy four. Uh, Planet of the Apes was a series and the Night Stalker was a series. Both aired on Friday nights uh, and both were over before they started. Is it just is it just my imagination or did the whole Planet of the Apes television series take place in one subway tube? Basically, <laughs> yes, it did. It was it was, uh, I, again, a study in declining budgets. The, yeah, the. The the battle for the planet of the apes is actually thirty people fighting over a school bus. <laughs> really, we really whittled it down. Yeah, that's um, that's that's true. Uh, all right, so so people should go in, in a in a season three, be- but beautiful in a season three kind of way. You know that they, they managed to the specter of the gun their way through it (laughs) (laughs) there you go as deep as your love is for for star trek and if people go back and listen i want to say all the way back to maybe funhouse i know when i saw you perform in clubs around that time you were doing star trek material oh yeah always yeah as deep as your love is for star trek though the open to the open to the dana gould hour which is your podcast which is wonderful and everybody should listen to it that is uh that is uh that is homage to uh to planet of the apes as well right yeah it's actually me doing charlton heston's narration of the planet of the apes trailer <laughs> yeah it's 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 nice. it is it is literally uh uh testosterone personified <laughs> now it's heavy throaty <sighs> I hate that I have to cook a steak. Why can't I just bite it out of the cow as it walks past? Yeah. So, so manly. So manly. So one of the things that you, well, I don't know if I should say that you do this. I, I know that you have an association with, uh, with Dr. Zayas and, and the work that he does today. <laughs> Yes. Is there ever any chance? And then, I mean, it's if I could just, if I could just, the levels of of it's it's like an onion, but with something really amazingly incredible inside. So, Doctor Zayas as Mark Twain tonight. Yeah, yeah. Hal Holbrook, Hal Holbrook is no longer touring as Mark Twain tonight. Do you think Doctor Zayas would ever take that show on the road? Ken, are, you, Ken, are you doing like a Disney thing where you say, "Well, this person is a friend of Mickey." <laughs> He's a friend of Pluto, just to keep the illusion alive, keep the magic. People ask us all the time, you know, who writes for the computer? And boy, does the computer get upset every time that question comes up. What you can see, if you have to go on YouTube for this, it's a long story. I'll I'll give you the the 30-second version. Years ago, um, I was a writer on the Ben Stiller show, which was uh, on Fox, I, I think it was 1992. Um, and we had, uh, I wrote a sketch uh, called Planet of the Apes, the musical. And this was before The Simpsons did it and before I worked at The Simpsons. And I thought it would be a great way for me to get 
somebody to do a really cool Planet of the Apes makeup on me. And it was a commercial for a musical the way they'll do a commercial for Hamilton when it comes to town, you know, a couple of clips. And, and then the follow-up joke and the second part of the show was going to be from the producers of Planet of the Apes, the musical, Dr. Zayas is Mark. It was, uh, it was Dr. Zayas is Mark Twain tonight. And it was Dr. <laughs> Zayas. And the, when I was a boy on the banks of the muddy Mississippi, I had two goals, the destruction of the vile pestilence known as man and to be a steamboat captain. (laughs) And we got we got canceled before we got a chance to make it. I remember the TV guide. You'd open the TV guide and it used to have in the first page the ratings from the previous week. And one week we were last. <laughs> like literally, literally, more people watched everything else on television <laughs> than us, and and it didn't go. And then uh, Planet of the Apes musical, uh, I had nothing to do with uh, it at, at the Simpsons. It was, I think, David Cohen who created Futurama had the same idea and executed it better. And I have. I'm a fan and I had nothing to do with it. They did a much better job than I would have done. But then John Hodgman, 20 years later, said, uh, somehow Dr. Zayas's Mark Twain came up and I said, oh, I wrote that as a sketch 20 years ago. And he said, would you do it for my show in San Francisco? And I was about to say no. And I thought, well, wait a minute. I'm KNB effects, which is one of the biggest effects houses in L.A. They do The Walking Dead they're all my friends. And I went, well, wait a minute, maybe I can. And I literally just called up Greg Nicotero and I said, Hey, uh, can somebody uh, come to San Francisco and I'll pay them and uh, they can do a Dr. Zayas on me. Yeah. Hang on. Hey, Andy, you want to go to San Francisco with Dana? Yeah. Yeah. No problem. (laughs) (laughs) And, and so I did it and it's on YouTube. So just if you Google Dana Gould doctors or go to YouTube Dana Gould doctors as you can see it. But then I did the following year. Then it became a thing. And then I did Dana Gould is. Dr. Zayas as <laughs> William Shatner performing <laughs> the night before Christmas. And so oh. and you can see this, too. And it's basically Dr. Zayas comes out in the rocket man tuxedo going. Was the night before Christmas and all through the house. And then he said, excuse me. He sees you when you're sleeping. This is terrifying to a child. And then, <laughs> and then I come out of Dr. Zayas and do me. And then I go back into Zayas and back into Shatner. And it's like a Russian egg. It's like a Russian doll. of a, of a bit. Wow. Wow. I don't nice. know how we started down this road or how we got to where we are, but well, that's amazing. Expensive it's, hobby. <laughs> it's absolutely amazing. And like, I think I, I can't remember where I was. I think it was, it was probably just maybe when we were going to see Wrath of Khan that uh, they ran a preview for uh, showing that they were doing a planet of the apes. And there was this guy doing Dr. Zayas. And I don't think anybody in the audience, except for maybe me and John knew, but I was like, <laughs> yeah, awesome. So that's, up- that's, it's basically yeah, just wanting everybody to be able for, to see it. With Ben Mankiewicz, and then I did it at the 50th anniversary screen. And now it's like a weird side career I have. <laughs> it's like, I want to do like a jazz album, like just like Zayas with a Z. Just like, <laughs> <laughs> I cover the waterfront. <laughs> nice. You know, to bring it all the way back around, get Ben Folds to produce it. And it can be like, has yeah, Ben, be, you know. Mm-hmm. From 2000 years from now or something like that yeah. hey, when um, i do him i do him like an old like you guys will get that like an old like a guest on merv griffin like a, like when orson wells would go on merv griffin and just drop names he's like an old celebrity name <laughs> like you know i live up in santa barbara next to Susie flechette she's a delight <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Don't ever buy a house from Alan Alda. That's my only advice to anybody. <laughs> All right, Ken, we got to do a thing, and then we got to do another thing. We have a thing really quickly, so I feel bad because we said earlier, well, Dana said earlier, if I had known you were going to ask me. Um, so we have a thing that we do, Dana, and and as I say every week, uh, having grown up in, in the West, I feel certain you know about the idea of the lightning round, although I also yes, feel I certain. Do. That we do. Okay, excellent, because we got one coming up for you in just a moment. Oh, yeah. First, okay. uh, before we do that, I want to remind you about something that we would love for you to do after this show. 
Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast, also goes live every Tuesday night, and they do it right after our show. What are the odds? Each Tuesday at 11 Eastern, 8 Pacific, Elijah, Kenna, and Anthony bring you news from all over the Star Trek multiverse, TV and movie news, gaming news, literary reviews, plus a whole lot more. They kick off a few minutes after our show. Actually, lately, they've been kicking off right after our show. So don't do anything except for change the page you're checking out. Go to Facebook.com slash Priority One Podcast. That is Facebook.com slash Priority One Podcast. And if you can't catch it tonight, do uh, catch, the, uh, catch the show when it comes out on Friday. You can find that wherever you get podcasts or make it simple for yourself, podcast.roddenberry.com. So uh, the lightning round, Dana, you, I, I love the fact that you're like, yeah, I know exactly what a lightning round is. Let's just get straight to it. <laughs> yeah, uh, by, by the way, uh, Jeff uh, just said, has John not mentioned the lightning round to the guest again? Jeff, I'm, I'm so sorry. And Dana, so sorry. But yes, Ken. Uh, I've, Ken never, I've never yeah. said anything briefly in my life. <laughs> well we'll see what we can do well actually we'll put a time against you and uh, and larry uh, who was on a couple of weeks ago we'll see how it goes uh, favorite star trek antagonist Anta- antagonist antagonist mm-hmm. oh i uh, it's i don't know the character's name but i think it's koloff this the deliverer of this line I didn't mean to say the Enterprise should be hauling away garbage. I meant to say the Enterprise should be hauled away as garbage. I believe it was Commander Koloff. Yes, Trouble with Tribbles right there. That's right. Well done. Well done. Have you seen the animated series? Yes. Nice. That's the correct answer. Good. Favorite Star Trek movie? Oh, Rathacon. Okay, good, good answer as well. Favorite I'm episode. in Final Frontier. No, I'm <laughs> Favorite episode, any, any series, any era, favorite episode? Um, uh, Trouble with Tribbles, probably my favorite, just because uh, uh, it, it was so fun. But uh, my City on the Edge of Forever, my opinion of the finest. Very good. interesting. And because uh, of Mission Log, a greater appreciation of uh, the... Um, Oh, I'm, I just blanked on the name with Clint Howard. Oh, no, uh, Corbin might maneuver. Yeah, Corbin yeah. might maneuver. Yeah, gold, yeah, gold standard Star Trek right there. They had much greater appreciation for it once you guys pointed out what it really encapsulated. Wow. Thanks. Well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, favorite bad episode? Uh, the Empath. Ooh, wow <laughs> wow okay uh, you sign up because, and- because you can see again the 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 only thing the empath is lacking is the school bus from battle for the planet of the apes <laughs> uh, engineering science or ops oh engineering i was a scotty uh, i wanted to be scotty when i was a kid okay uh favorite warp speed uh, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to opt. I'm going to go to, um, uh, I'm going to s- switch genres to space balls and say too freaking fast. Good, good, good. Nice. Yeah, at ludicrous speed. Nice. Ludicrous uh, speed. Fa- That's what it was. Ludicrous speed. Fa- favorite I enterprise. That. You should favorite enterprise crew member. <laughs> uh, well, S- Scotty and coming up uh, close behind him, Kevin Riley. Riley, really? interesting. Because oh, wow. uh, he looks like every brother I have. <laughs> <laughs> and the last question, because it is tradition, have you ever been to Vulcan, Alberta, Canada? Yes. Have you no, really? No, 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 I've been to near, nearby it. I've been to Lethbridge, Alberta, Canada. Okay. Well, okay. That, okay. that's fine. I, I don't think Lethbridge has a giant statue of the Enterprise. No. Or anything no. like that. Yeah. No, I but I do. Well, that's a, I've talked to you. <laughs> no, no, no. It's fine. It, it, the, only, the only thing that's a drag is um, that we're coming close to the end. But there are a couple of things that I want to say really quickly. First of all, your podcast is one of my favorite things, especially for the, uh, the part in the middle. It's the only word I like. What do you call those? <laughs> the middle part. The middle part. Okay. 
Well, I know that your latest episode actually has a whole bunch of those middle parts yeah. strung together, making yeah. one giant part, although it's sort of like uh, then which part is the middle? That'll be yeah, There's no middle part. That's the, the July episode is always the one I don't get to do because I'm in Atlanta all of June shooting Stand Against Evil. And uh, this is my this is my box of future middle parts. This mm. is just chock full of articles and things that I'm going to turn into middle parts. Middle parts coming up. Uh, Paul McCartney's post Beatles nervous breakdown. Uh, the origin of the outer limits. I have all sorts of stuff coming coming your way. Very cool. And then, of course, there's also just tremendous, uh, just tremendous conversations, honestly, with a bunch of comedians and 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 such as well. I just thank you. I love your podcast, and uh, and I really appreciate you being on ours as well. And, uh, and I hope we can do it again sometime. Yeah, I'd love to check it I, out. Can I plug two things real quick? Yeah, please yeah. do. Um, I will be. I hope to see you guys at Comic Con too. Uh, I will be at Comic Con. Stand against evil as a panel Saturday at one. And um, one thing I didn't get to mention, but is uh, coming out, I believe, in August, is I adapted Rod Serling's first draft of Planet of the Apes as a graphic novel for Boom, which is uh, coming out called Planet of the Apes Visionaries. And it's the version of the film that's much like the book, where it takes place in a modern city and uh, there's a different main character. It's very different. And that comes out in August. Amazing. Uh, Dana, thank you again so much. We could do this every week, I'm sure, for hours and hours. So we really appreciate your time uh, joining us here tonight. Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Executive producer, Rod Roddenberry. Technical production on Mission Log Live by Infinity Networks producer, Brandon Bradley. Be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from the Roddenberry Podcast Network, including not just Mission Log, but also Women at War, Priority One, and The Trek Files. Thanks to everyone who joined us live or later, and we will talk to you again next week. Podcast.roddenberry.com, the Roddenberry Podcast Network.